Welcome, Renee. Hi, Crystal. Hi. Welcome, everybody, to True Crime Broads, Episode 2. We are going to be covering um, the target list, um, the target numbers that is on the evidentiary search warrant. That's what we're covering today. So, Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll just get started. Um, Okay. So we have a list here of uh, the target numbers that are on the, on the um, probable cause. And it, it's a list of nine people, but there's 10 phone numbers. And the reason for that is that Brandon Beaver's um, spouse of Missy has two phone numbers. One's a business, one's personal. So, cause I know that was a question that a lot of people had in the, in the past. So, yes. all right. So, um, again, we're covering the uh, murder, unsolved murder of Missy Beavers, uh, who was killed on April 18th, 2016, at the Creekside Church of Christ in Midlothian, Texas. So, um, last week, we talked about, um, kind of in the beginning, what all, what all happened, you know, kind of the um, uh, order of events, I guess you could say. Correct? Yes. And so um, this week we, we, we said we were going to talk about the target numbers and who, who all are behind the numbers that they had listed on the probable cause search warrant. So, all right. So um, Kevin Cozine is uh, one of the target numbers on the list and he is the spouse of Michelle Cozine. who was also on the list. And to my understanding, they were camp gladiator um, participants um, in, the, in the, I think they were in her class. Is that, do you know any more than that? Crystal? You, know, you know, there's been some controversy about that, but I do believe that they were at the minimum camp gladiator participants. There is some reason we have to believe from talking to inside sources that they were present that morning. But then we've also heard some conflicting information. But I do believe that they both participated in camp gladiator when they were still married. Okay. All right. All right. So that is why those, those two... Um their names are listed on there and their phone numbers, I guess they communicated back and forth with Missy and so forth. So that makes sense. Um, okay. So two more names and numbers that were listed on there. Of course the numbers aren't listed, but, uh, but that's what it's referring to. It's going to be Randy Beavers and Vicki Beavers. Randy Beavers was the father-in-law for Missy, the father of Brandon and Vicki Beavers is the spouse of Randy and Brandon Beavers stepmom. Um, and I'm just assuming that those were because, of course, you know, that's Missy is their their uh, daughter-in-law. And, of course, typically, you you know, communicate with your father-in-law, mother-in-law type thing. That's all I know about that. Do you know any more, Crystal? No, I don't. I think that um, and, and I'm still not clear on whether these even after as long as we've looked at this. I've also seen conflicting information. I think at the very beginning, they led us to believe these people were people that. Missy was in contact with in this, you know, right before her murder. But mm-hmm. come to find out in later publications, we saw um, some indications that this was just people that were in her phone and it could have been months ago that they communicated. So I really don't know the mm-hmm. answer to that. But to answer your question about the beavers in particular, I agree. I just think that it was people that she had chatted with for whatever reason. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And I do remember reading that um, in one place that it was um, between, you know, January and, and up, up to leading to her death. But then somewhere else we read that it was just people that she was in contact with in the past. So yeah, yeah, kind of conflicting information that we're getting. So that's why we're kind of letting y'all know that. Okay. So uh, the next one's going to be Wendy Houts. And to my understanding, um, she was just a family friend. I think that her husband or her late husband, who had passed away previous um, to Missy's passing, um, was good friends with Brandon. And so maybe they communicated they were friends. I'm not sure. But that's pretty much all the information I know on that, too. Do you know any more? No, I totally agree with you on that. That's that's the extent of my knowledge as well. Okay. All right. Okay, so um, okay, so the next two are going to be Terry Beavers and Brandon Beavers. Terry Beavers is obviously Missy Beavers. Some people don't know that. Her name was actually Terry Leanne Beavers, and she was either nicknamed by somebody or people just called her Missy. I don't know where that came from, but people knew her as Missy Beavers, and that's who they're referring to there. And then Brandon Beavers, of course, is 
Missy's husband. So, and of course, I, those are kind of obvious why they're there, um, you know, why they're on the, on the target list. So I don't think we have a lot to say about that, but you know, there are people that don't know. So, right. I actually heard a podcast. Um, I'm sure you've listened to a few and I've listened to a few um, that number one referred to them as Bevers. And then number two, they <laughs> were calling Missy's husband, Brandy. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that, you know, people get this stuff wrong. You know, it's one thing if you don't hear it, but you hear it so much. I don't really understand how they get it wrong. But anyway, for anybody who's, you know, heard something like that, his name is definitely not Brandy. It's Brandon. So <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> right. So the next two are going to be AJ Tucker and Courtney Tucker. AJ Tucker is a camp gladiator trainer and coworker of Missy and Courtney Tucker is the spouse of AJ Tucker. And um, to my understanding, obviously AJ Tucker's on there. I'm sure they communicated a lot being in the same, working for the same company, um, you know, talking about, because he also lives in not far from Midlothian. I'm not really sure, obviously, where he lives, but I know it's in, you know, in the Ellis County area, I believe. And I'm sure that's why they communicated. I do not know why Courtney Tucker is on the list, unless, of course, she was friends with Missy, and that I don't know. Do you know any more? No, I really don't. Um, well, if you're at the, you're at the end of the list, um, I just realized. So I do have a little bit to elaborate on about AJ and Courtney. Okay. Um, I had spoken to AJ Tucker and he was Mm -hmm. extremely friendly and happy to help. And, um, it's, this has been obviously a nightmare for Missy's family, but there has also been some sort of additional periphery damage in this case from the rumor mill and people's lives getting ruined. You know, I know you and I've discussed a couple of people that's happened to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Dallas Observer did an article about that. We can discuss that in a future podcast. But um, AJ and his wife, for some reason, have become a real, really active um, subject matter for the rumor mill, which is mostly in YouTube comments, Facebook groups, Reddit, Web Sleuth. Um, the list goes on. Um, you know, Dallas Morning News articles, comments, that type of thing pretty much anything you can read online you'll eventually hear about this couple pertaining to the missy beavers case and you know um it it usually starts off online well first of all they're on the target list so that is kind of a legitimate reason for people to want to look into things so you know the amateur sleuthers online yeah Um, but one thing led to another and this particular rumor just seemed to really get out of hand I asked AJ I said you know can you tell me a little bit about what's going on and if you don't mind telling us um and he said that he really does not understand why the rumors are about him and his wife there were some really detailed rumors going around too about you know his wife had seen was in a hair salon the day that Missy was killed and after getting her hair depends on which version you hear getting her hair done mm-hmm. and it comes on the tv screen in this you know hair salon somewhere and supposedly we've all heard this rumor i think by now supposedly courtney exclaims oh i hate her that's the woman who was having an affair with my husband that's how the rumor goes well you know, I didn't even mention that yet. He actually mentioned that rumor to me. It had gotten back to them, you know, I guess through social media or something. Um, and he said that that's completely ridiculous and it, it couldn't happen because his wife and Missy didn't know each other. Oh. Um, yeah. According to AJ Tucker, they've never met. So I, okay. really feel, I really feel bad for this couple. It just seems like they have just been victimized by Internet fodder you know rumors um right. as far as i can tell that's what's happened to them and i think it's really unfortunate and that's just one of the many people who have been touched by the gossip on this and you know they just really don't deserve that um but anyway i'm trying to think of what else he told me i we talked for a few minutes he was really friendly and he just said that they cannot understand how they got sucked into this at all yeah it makes no sense to them Oh, and here's something else interesting, because I just was kind of trying to get an understanding of 
you know, I didn't come out and ask him about how long he had known Missy, but he told me that they hadn't really known each other that long. And um, she, it seems like she was helping him a little bit, you know, kind of get started with Camp Gladiator. He didn't really say that, but it seems like we saw that she said something about that on Facebook, you know, helping promote his classes, basically, that were upcoming. Mm. But here was what I learned that I thought was really interesting from AJ is that he, that was his very first day to teach Camp Gladiator when Missy was wow. there. And that, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I, I mean, did know you know that? that? No, absolutely did not. Yeah. So, I mean, we all just assumed that he had been doing it a long time. Apparently he had been obviously involved in working out himself and teaching others, I think self-defense classes. Um, oh. But yeah, that was his first day with Camp Gladiator. And he told me a story of how it went down. He said he was, you know, in another part of Midlothian, same exact times, teaching classes at the exact same time as Missy's. And he said that some other person that he knows, he didn't mention his name, another person who works for Camp Gladiator came flying in there frantically toward the end of his class and said, did you hear it happen? Did you hear it happen? Are you okay? And he said, of course I'm okay. I'm right here. What is it? What is it? And then he told him about Missy getting murdered. And obviously it just blew his mind. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. And, 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 you know, he obviously had the first thoughts that we all did, who would do this to her? What's, what is going on? Um, so that's it that, you know, he was super nice. Um, he just seems completely baffled as to how he's so involved in this. But another thing I think Renee, we have to realize is we did get pretty involved in these social media groups, um, discussion groups and, you know, it, it may be completely 100% different than what's going on with law enforcement. Law enforcement may um, have zero interest in the Tuckers, <laughs> but right. they just keep getting talked about online, you know? Yeah. I think so that's what I, it is. Yeah. I yeah, think that's I what gonna, it is. Yeah. I think that's what led to, because in the very beginning, I do remember seeing a post or someone screenshotted a post where I would assume it was AJ Tucker had posted on Facebook and I don't even know who thought to look and see it that someone had drove by in a black uh, unmarked car and collected their trash. And he wanted to know if it had happened to anybody else in the neighborhood. And so everyone was speculating that that was because of what was being said. And that's why. So um, I do remember this happening. Yes, I do. And the speculation was that the vehicles, uh, the vehicle matched that of what the FBI would drive. Um, And then there was some discussion and speculation about, well, you don't need a search warrant to take trash because it's discarded and it's by the curb, blah, blah, blah. I remember everyone talking about that. But, you know, AJ and I didn't discuss that. So if I'm fortunate enough to get to talk to him again, I might ask him about that and just see if he would give us a little more information on that. Because you're right. Um, we've all seen the screenshots, I think, at this point of those conversations um, that he was having with people on Facebook about the trash getting picked up. And then later, I think he said something to the effect of, never mind, I know what it is now. I can't talk. I can't discuss it here. So, right. so yes, that's that's a really good point. And if I get the opportunity to speak with AJ again, I'll just ask him about that because that was pretty weird. And you never know, it might have ended up not being anything to do with law enforcement, but it kind of sounds like it was. And, and I think that at that very early stage of the crime, because that trash pickup by the mystery car was very early on, I think that law enforcement was literally just following up on each and every lead. And I think that somebody somewhere went to them about the Tuckers and they were just doing their due diligence there and yeah. probably cleared them right away. And, you know, <clears throat> my understanding is that Courtney went in and um, was questioned and, and, and let go and and AJ went with her and there was just no there there basically so, right um yeah, but I can ask, I, you know if I'm lucky enough to talk to him again I can ask him to elaborate on all of that and see if he'll yeah tell that's us a, a great idea more. but yeah, yeah. We, being the first time I talked to him I just didn't want to hammer him too much with questions and I have to be honest a lot of those things didn't even pop in my head yeah, yeah so. I totally understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That That's um, some good information that um, I didn't know. And I'm sure some of our listeners are the same. And that's something that we want to, you know, elaborate or tell others that are listening, you know, don't take this stuff to true life, you know, true life, because it's, 
it's not, I mean, it does ruin people's lives because we don't have enough information. And, and obviously this, that's not our job is to go around accusing people or, you know, snooping around and, you know, finding that information. I mean, because you can really ruin someone's life and they're completely innocent. We don't have right. any information that, that tells us that these people did anything. We just want to give you all the facts and let you know what's going on with the, with the case. And um, you know, if that ends up helping in some way, that's great. But overall, it's the police's job to solve this murder. So yes, exactly. And the only time I decided it was time to reach out to people is when I realized we were sort of switching from, you know, social media, you know, followers to actually doing a podcast where it requires a little bit of journalism on our part. So at this point, I think that you and I are probably comfortable reaching out to people, but I would have never done that as a discussion participant, you know, just out of line, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No. um, Let me, let me, I guess, let me reword that then, you know, don't take this to, you know, true life as far as trying to contact people and accuse them of something, but we're we're just trying to get information and and I guess basically, um, you know, stamp out some rumors that, that, you know, people are just constantly going over and over and over of, of different people. It's not just Courtney, Tucker. There's other people, too. And we'll go through those as our podcasts, you know, go on. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we just want to nip yeah, it in the bud and get rid of those rumors. Right. And that's why I wanted to talk to him was just as, you know, you hear more one ridiculous story after another. It seems like there was another rumor about Courtney Tucker. Um, oh, I think it was that one of Missy's daughters had said that they hated each other and that's how this all got started when Mm -hmm. MPD asked the family is there anyone that you know would have it in for Missy which actually sounds like a legitimate um, believable thing that would happen you know I mean I would think anytime there's a murder the law enforcement probably asked the family hey do you know of any people that was sort of like an enemy to this person that would be the first question but uh, you know whether or not one of the daughters said that I kind of doubt it at this point because we've never seen any proof of that other than rumor and um they've never met and aj tucker he has no reason to lie to me so exactly i mean you know i don't really get get where all that came from to be honest with you there's so many rumors floating around that it just seems right you know it's kind of like and then there was another thing i'm sure you saw this recently in the facebook groups where someone had a screenshot of a bible verse yes i have seen that (laughs) <laughs> but it's just a bible verse it's not a post like they're impl- right. everyone says that they saw that posted on courtney tucker's facebook after right after missy was killed and it has some kind of a, you know ominous sort of a message about what had happened and it was um i should have looked into this before we went live but i forgot about this aspect of it until right now but it was something 418 and they were saying see look it's uh I don't remember what book of the Bible. Do you, Renee? I don't. Um, I okay, so whatever. It was something 418. And we'll we'll get that. We'll we'll pull that up, actually. Should we pull it up and put it on? I don't, kind of don't want to put that on our Instagram since it's just a rumor. I guess we'll just inform our listeners next time at the beginning of the podcast which exact verse that was if they're interested. But it it just, every nobody, I mean, all these people <laughs> from the beginning of this case have not been able to produce the actual screenshot. And I just find that unbelievable. So that's just another rumor as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. I just looked it up and it, it doesn't really say, I mean, I think I kind of remember it, but basically the, the verse is there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That's the new international version. Um, it, they basically all just say that in a different way. You know, what, what, book, of the Bible was, what book of the Bible is that? It's John four eighteen. Okay, thank you. Huh. Um, so I, I don't know exactly what they were getting at. I don't even know if they, because um, I remember seeing a different verse, but I re- do remember it being four eighteen because they said that it was weird because it was um, April eighteenth and that it was you know and, on April eighteenth when she was killed. So I don't know. And then and then some other people took it a step farther and said it was four eighteen in the morning. Yes. Yes. And I just think that, and I get it. People have active imaginations. We'll get a little bit of information on this case. And then if you watch 
the people in discussions discussion groups it blows up into something totally different it gets a life of its own um as people talk about it so i think that you know we have spent a lot of time in the discussion groups just because in you know mpd has really offered very little information on this case so it's tempting to get in those groups and look for tea leaves and look for maybe someone who has some inside information but the majority of if you're out there listening and you're thinking about getting into the discussion groups on this case let's just you know i we just want to warn you to take it with a grain of salt it's not a treasure trove of information like you're hoping it will be it's a lot right. of people it's really a lot of people guessing it well, is. I, yeah. I look at the video and i think it's a woman who was scorned and how about recently we saw someone say i think it's a woman with uh menopause hormones i mean <laughs> these yes, are people just yeah. guessing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of guessing. And that was one of the problems in um, with the case with all the tips they got. They had to go through over 2,000 tips um, in this murder in the very beginning. And they said more than more than half or probably even more than that. I don't know the exact number, but I know it was a lot were just people making suggestions. Well, you know, my neighbor walks funny or so-and-so. It wasn't actual credible information. And they had to they had to follow up on those tips. So it took a lot of manpower and a lot of time away from actually solving, trying to solve the case. Yeah, and then poor Kevin Johnson had to get out there and tell people, basically, we're not, I mean, we don't really need y'all to guess. We're looking, he didn't say it in those words, but he said, we need actual facts, you know, I mean, right. they want they want to hear something actually like that could be interpreted as evidence, not someone's opinion. Basically, that's yeah. the word he used. He said we're getting a lot of opinions. He even they even got some as far away as Australia. But um, oh, there was something about the target numbers that I forgot to mention. By the way, uh-huh. um, I came across an article from May fifth, twenty sixteen, which um was pretty soon after the murder, just a few weeks, and Kevin Johnson um. He made some interesting quotes about the um, extracted data provided police uh, with persons of interest, the target numbers. I'm reading the article right now. Um, mm-hmm. It's from NBC, the local affiliate, um, Channel 5 on the website. Um, it says the target numbers based on the communications, which included texts, messages, videos, photos, and recovered deleted messages. Um, between them and Missy. The target numbers referred to in the search warrant include 11 phone numbers from nine people. That's interesting because a lot of the articles say 10. Um, Mm. We don't have information. Here's the part I thought I really wanted to point out. Kevin goes on to say, we don't have information that indicates the killer talked to any of the target numbers, nor do we have specific information to believe the killer Video recorded the murder. I think there was rumors about that. And they wanted to dispel that. And that was said Midlothian Assistant Police Chief Kevin Johnson. Now, I just, you know, that's more vague information from MPD. And that's, you know, I understand and I completely respect them not wanting the public to know things that will be a detrimental to the investigation. But I really have to wonder, you know, we sat back the other day and, and just sort of looked at the totality of the situation and realized we don't really know anything about this murder. Um, And that's really unusual for the public not to know anything. You know, we, we, you and I together and separately have followed, um, you know, Scott Peterson case, um, Jolly Routier case. I mean, case after case after case. And this is the only one that I can recall, correct me if I'm wrong, where the police literally hasn't really said anything. We don't even know the cause of death. Nope, we sure don't. And they, I know that there were some people um, in the beginning that had tried to request um, search warrants, search warrant returns, 911 audio tapes, um, offense and incident reports, and autopsy relating to the homicide of Miss Weavers, and they were denied uh, by the Office of the Attorney General. So. Mm Yeah, that, and I mean, the autopsy is still sealed, to my understanding. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, and I get it because they have to preserve their evidence that they have until they have someone of interest. But I, it does make it hard for people, you know, wanting to know like what is going on with this case. Is it cold or or like, and, they're working it? You know, so hopefully, you know, you know what else I find interesting, Renee, about the same thing you're talking about mm-hmm. is. 
the 911 call is also sealed. Yes. And that's kind of unusual. A lot of times that's one of the first things that's released. It leads me to believe, and I think you and I discussed this in the past, is that whoever made the 911 call must have given information about the cause of death or some piece of information that the the investigators don't want the public to know. Like, I saw her body. She had this weapon next to her, you know, that right. kind of thing. So there's yeah. something they don't want out that they say. Right. That's all I can think of. Otherwise, why not release it? Yeah, um, you know, I remember, and talk, speaking of that, I remember um, hearing, and of course, again, we're talking about a rumor, that there were two 911 calls. But in some of the... Uh, in some of the uh, paperwork or whatever you want to call it, there is, it, it's written where it says there was uh, one 911 call made. So I don't know if, again, that was something they didn't want people to know that there was two or if there really only was one. It kind of goes back and forth. So that was, because um, right. some places and- I've seen that say one, we received a 911 call from an individual, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say you know, calls or from several or, you know, so I don't know. Well, and they were in rapid succession too. And I don't understand that either, why they would only have one. And what you're referring to, I think, is when we were, when we saw the, uh, the log of the 911 calls and they yeah. have the one person log that was there at the scene and that made the 911 call and um, his name's on there and he was a Camp Gladiator participant. But we don't have the other call logged on there, which I find really strange too. Right. So, yeah, so we don't know if that's a rumor or what, because it goes kind of go, goes back and forth on that. We've tried to research it as much as we can. And I, I'm sure just like you, I don't see anywhere that it's been um, consistent in saying there was either one or two. So, right. I don't know why they wouldn't have public record on the second one, but they would on the first. That seems odd to me. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Um, what else did we want to talk about on this episode? You know, I think we zipped through that search warrant a little quicker than we thought we would on the target numbers. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I zipped through the part about talking to AJ. So let's see, is there anything else we want to cover before we go? I did want to give a shout out to Tim Koval who, um, we started the podcast with um, originally back when it was called Gumshoe Stories. We just want to say hi, Tim. Yeah. And thank you for, you know, all your help in getting us started. And he's the guy that initiated all this stuff at the beginning with ordering the search warrants. And um, that December 16, 2016 search warrant, which we'll get to on a future episode. But he was the one that sort of opened my eyes to all new ideas on this case. So we just wanted to say hello for personal reasons. He's no longer podcasting, but that's okay. We just want to give him a shout out and thank him for kind of getting us started on this thing. Yeah, we do appreciate it. All his help. He was very helpful in many ways with our, um, with our podcast that we were doing. And, and, and now um, I do remember one thing that I, I had mentioned last episode that I would talk about with something real quick. Um, remember us discussing that one of the reasons that we believe Midlothian um, is having a hard time with this case. Of course, they don't obviously have, a lot of murders to deal with or, or any at all for that matter. Um, there were two um, murders listed um, in 2009 and 2007. And these were kind of what I, what I would call open and shut cases, I guess. Um, there was a woman by the name of Wendy Lane. She called police, made a 911 call to Midlothian Police Department that her roommate friend, I'm not sure which, Randall Glasser, was assaulted by Robert Spencer. Um, They had lived, or he had lived, Randall had lived in Waxahachie up until a week before this happened. And her friend was beaten basically to death by Robert Spencer with a baseball bat. Mm. So, and um, so that one was kind of an open and shut case. And then there was another one in 2009. It was a murder-suicide. Guadalupe Galindo, 29, of Hawkins, Texas, came to his um, ex-wife's house, Sheely Galindo um, of Midlothian, Texas, and made his way through the front door and killed her and then killed himself. 
So that's why they don't have a lot of experience. And, and, and that's fortunate on one hand, because, you know, that means that Midlothian is a safe place to live. Um, you know, that you don't have to worry about things like that happening often or ever. But at the same time, it makes it hard for police because they don't have any experience in that, you know, field to be able to investigate something like this. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? You, you understand they don't yeah. have a lot of experience to solve this type of murder. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it makes it really hard for them. It really does. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that they're incompetent by any stretch. It just seems like this is a lot. I mean, even for just even for the highest level detectives like that that have solved a lot of murders i would think this would be a difficult case oh absolutely i agree completely i i hope that at some point we can find out um from someone um within the police department if you know they are if there's a new person a new investigator working the case um if it, you know the same ones are still on it that type of thing because we, we want to know and we're sure everybody else wants to know too right yeah there's been some interesting turnover lately you know i i was quoting earlier kevin johnson assistant police chief and he he left and i know there's conspiracy theorists out there that think that all these people left the force because of the case or some weird reason but i just really think it's mostly a coincidence um i mean it's possible they were frustrated that this case wasn't going anywhere but that's just not really how it looks there's um, one of the guys left because um, to go take a high profile um, position with NYPD, New York Police Department. So Ooh, to, to jump from Midlothian to New York, that's an interesting leap. And he yeah, he was um, his name is Nick Selby, uh, detective. Um, you know, he's also an author and, and speaker. So uh, I bet you anything. I mean, this is just me speculating here. Um, I always want to draw the difference between my opinion and what I've seen this fact and this is just my opinion but when they had when NYPD came in and worked on the cell cell tower pings and we haven't discussed that on the podcast yet but that was a search warrant where um, they were looking for cell phone pings obviously to try to figure out who the perpetrator was based on what cell phone numbers were pinging the tower at that time of the morning and apparently it came up with not any good information because that was years ago um, and nothing came out of it and there was no information on it after that. So we really don't know. But anyway, long story short, NYPD assisted uh, Midlothian PD. And I kind of guess that's might be where Nick Selby started a relationship with them and was able to get a position working with them full time mm-hmm. out there. But I'm just guessing on that part. It just made sense to me. Mm. That, that makes sense though. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I just think it's a coincidence, the people that have left the force. And then there there was all that talk about somebody stepping down or being demoted. And I just think that's just normal stuff. I think that that's kind of stuff happens in police departments and whether or not, I just don't think it's, you know, there's the whole other rumor mill about Midlothian PD covering this up and it being a conspiracy. And I know Renee, you and I both agree. We never suspected that even for a minute. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I don't know. You can, in my opinion, you can tell that they are really distraught over the fact that they haven't been able to, you know, bring anyone to justice for this, you know, crime. Um, I mean, I'm sure it bothers them just as much as it bothers us. You know, I mean, I can't imagine it wouldn't be of the utmost importance and there's never been any kind of um, issue in the past of anything like that. So I don't know why everybody would jump to that conclusion. I mean, to me, the first thing that I think of is it's hard to solve because all you have is circumstantial evidence. You don't have anything concrete and nobody's come forward saying, Hey, well, I heard so-and-so over here talking about, you know, he killed somebody, you know, they don't have anything even remotely close to that. So they have nothing to go on. You can't just say, Oh, well, it looks like my neighbor. Well, it's gotta be him. Let's pull him in. You know, you can't do that. So yeah. Yeah, and I get the impression that whoever did this isn't going to be easily swayed into talking. They have gone back into society at this point. It's been almost four years. They've gone back into society. They're back in there, went back right back into their routines in life without anybody close to them suspecting anything. I mean, they got rid of the evidence and they just went right back to work or whatever it was they were doing before and didn't really cause a ruckus. A lot of times uh, amateur murderers will murder someone and they they just fall apart later and they either confess or they're just acting so weird that 
you know, somebody figures it out. But this person's pretty slick, whoever they are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's unfortunate. And um, I'm hoping that, um, you know, people will, if anybody does know anything, they will come forward and they will, you know, say something because they, we do need to, they do need to make some progress on this case, you know, and it, it's, absolutely. I'm sure it's for the family and friends of, of Missy for sure. And one thing else on that note, when I talked to AJ Tucker, um, this is when we were um, communicating in writing. This wasn't part of our phone conversation but he wrote me and I was reviewing my notes before I we got on the podcast and he said that MPD was hungry to to find this person and arrest someone I mean yeah. they, he just said they had a lot of hunger for it so he couldn't understand you know he he just he brought it up that he doesn't think there's any kind of a conspiracy like that because he said the people I talked to there were hungry to find who did it Right. Yeah. And you, you know, and that, and that helps to hear, you know, things like that from somebody who actually went through questioning um, just because he was so close to Missy. And what I mean by that is, I mean, so close as in a coworker who worked and kept gladiator with her, um, you know, he would be one of the first people that they would talk to, you know, Hey, did you hear anything? Cause they had just went to that um, Austin uh, conference uh, with Kit yes. Gladiator. So, you know, I'm sure he was there, she was there and whether they even seen each other, that would still be among many others, uh, someone to definitely talk to, to see, you know, did you hear anything? Do you know anything, anything that we can go on to, you know, get started with who to question, you know, that kind of thing. That, right. that means a lot to hear that from him because he saw firsthand how they acted, what they, how they questioned them and how long it took and that kind of thing. So. Right, exactly. And and I think you bring up an interesting point. We may want to bring this up on a future podcast or maybe we can cover it real quick. But the fact that Missy was only home a short period of time from that Austin trip that you just referenced um, before she was murdered brutally, um, you know, was the trip, um, I tend to think not, but my husband thinks there might be a connection. I mean, it, I mean, she wasn't even home probably 12 hours just kind of looking at her Facebook post, you can kind of tell mm-hmm. she got mm-hmm. home probably in the afternoon because she had lunch with friends in Austin. Mm-hmm. And then she was putting dinner on the table that she um, posted about around 5 p.m. So she probably got home late afternoon. Um, so, you know, what did something transpire in Austin um, that would cause this horrible, I mean, was there some psycho that, I think we even mentioned on the last podcast, did someone become obsessed with her in Austin and follow her back? Um, was there something that maybe somebody here locally, which I think is more like it, if, if Austin's even involved, that maybe the person here just saw, was already obsessed with her, saw her posting, you know, pictures of her and people and just, I don't know, did that just trigger something or is it simply a coincidence that she was out of town? and returned immediately before her death. You know, it's just a, one of the many, many questions that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, definitely a lot to think about. I know, um, you know, obviously whoever did this, they did their homework. They definitely did that. They did their homework. They knew, you know, approximately what time she was going to get there. Um, you know, I mean, and everybody tries to say, well, you know, need to put your information on Facebook. Well, there's other ways to find that kind of stuff out just because, I mean, obviously putting it on Facebook does, you know, put it out there for people to see and, you know, oh, okay. But that doesn't tell them specific things like, you know, well, what time are you going to get there? I mean, when you take the class, you know, just because the class starts at 5 a.m. doesn't mean you get there at 4.59, you know. So they mm-hmm. had to know their information because, you know, they were able to kill her and get away either quickly before you know just barely before the people you know other campers got there or 10-15 minutes before the campers got there that is really specific timing so there's other ways of getting that information other than seeing it on Facebook because Facebook doesn't tell you what time she's going to leave her house what time she's going to get there and start setting up I mean even if you speculate you're not going to be right you know some people may give you 15 minutes some people may give you an hour so you know Oh, There's other ways of doing that. So I don't know that Facebook was the issue. I'm sure it contributed, but I don't think it was the complete reason this person knew when to get there. True. And this opens up a whole new thing. Um, 
do we want to save it for the next podcast or we want to just cover it now about the early arrivers? Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. We found out later, um, Tim actually interviewed a couple of people. If he doesn't mind us referencing his work here. Um, he talked to some people, we tracked them down for him and it's funny, you and I will always track down the people and then we're like, okay, Tim, you call him. Right. <laughs> so anyway, Tim was nice enough to do the dirty work again. And he, um, I'm just kidding, he enjoys it. So anyway, he talked to a couple of people, the ones that we figured out that routinely seem to show up about 4.30 because they like to do their workouts early, mm-hmm. um, apparently to get to work early. I don't know why, but they wanted to start 30 minutes before the class, which would have been 4.30. And then they leave at 5.30. And Missy sort of just had something going with them where that worked out fine for her too. So she allowed it. Both of those people, and I will, I'm not going to mention their names because they're at this point not on search warrants or anything. So they're not public figures. So I'm not going to mention their names. But these two participants were both supposed to be there that morning at 4.30. And it's just really eerie to me to think about what would have happened. One of them, the reason why they didn't go, uh, she woke up, saw it was pouring down rain and was like, I'm not going. <laughs> that would have been yeah. me, right? That would be me. <laughs> that would be all the discouragement I needed. It's like, nope. Right. Not <laughs> but um, the other person was actually in the process of heading toward the church and got a flat tire. And her son had to come and help her. And by the time all that transpired, you know, it was too late. So that just really freaks me out thinking about how close those two people came to getting hurt or killed. Or would their presence have potentially stopped this perpetrator from making a move on Missy when he realized there was three people there? Absolutely. And so uh, while you're, while we're talking about that, let's go ahead and and go over the timeline again. Um, Do you have it in front of you? I do not try to get it real quick. Yeah, I can look too. Whoever finds it first, we'll just start talking about. Um, Because the timeframe is just unbelievably, it's just so close. Like you said, it's just amazing. Well, and, and the reason why, you know, there's a lot, okay, I found the Missy Beavers timeline, but I don't know if this is the one, this is the one on Scrib D, and I don't know if this is an accurate one from MPD or if this is something someone else came up with. That's the only concern. Yeah, I, I see the same thing too. I'm trying to, MPD had an official one, but they, it wasn't as long as this one, but I'm a little concerned that this one we're looking at is not the official one. It was, who knows what lunatic, I mean, I hate to be rude, but there's a lot of crazy people following this case and. You know, wanted to start quoting those people. Um, but, um, but yeah, but when we talk about the timeline, we already have, and we're going to go ahead and give a hint um, for a future podcast when we discuss um, the December 16th, I mean, December 2016 um, search warrant. But there is a vehicle scene leaving the scene of the crime by a new Camp Gladiator participant who comes in. Um, but long story short, we're not going to cover that now because that's a whole nother discussion that we will get to. But this person narrowly missed detection, which leads me to believe that, number one, they might not have done as much um, pre- pre- preparing as it appears they did. I think the fact that they got away with it and have gotten away with it so long, it, it, we're all tempted, and I am too, to think that, wow, this person really nailed down all the details they knew exactly what they were doing but i really think that luck also played a hand yeah I not only did this person almost get caught but they almost rolled up with those other people there okay so i found the one from midlothian pd um oh, great great the one they posted uh, it was on Facebook. You can look under Midlothian Police Department dash Texas on Facebook to find this information. It's not, you're going to have to scroll, but um, okay. So this is how it has, they have it listed. Monday, April 18th, 2016, 3.50 a.m. Suspect first appears on video surveillance camera at Creekside Church of Christ. Monday, April 18th, 2016, 4.16 a.m. 
Mrs. Beaver's pickup truck is shown on video surveillance driving into the church parking lot. And Crystal made a good point on this one. Everybody's like, well, I thought those surveillance cameras weren't working. I believe we believe it's from the inside cameras shown pulling up under the awning and it appears on video from inside the church. Well, and I actually got that information from a family member of Missy's. I do not have her permission to quote her. I don't think she would care, but I'm not going to do it without her permission. But I did speak to someone who got that directly from MPD that it was the inside camera. Now there's been a lot of people who know that church well, who have argued with us and said, that's Mm -hmm. not possible. There's not one in, there's not one there. It would have to be the one that's um, outside that little awning, you know, the awning. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going by what I was told. And they said that inside camera picked it up. Outside cameras weren't working, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so the next one is Monday, April 18, 2016, 4.20 a.m. Miss Beavers appears on video surveillance camera walking into the church building, which, again, is going to be that same camera, in my opinion, that is showing her truck under the awning pull up, you know, in the parking lot or whatever. Um, Monday, April 18, 2016, 4.35 a.m. Participant in Camp Gladiator arrives at location. And I'm sure that's police got that from, you know, them personally and that's why they have it listed monday april 18 2016 5 a.m two now this is two 911 calls received from location and this is midlothian police department so i'm not real sure why they have it listed here as two and then in one in other places yes um, interesting the next one is 501 a.m fire department dispatched 503 a.m initial patrol officers dispatched 507 fire department and 510 officers arrive at location so um, and I, I, it, I thought at some place they had put on here, um, I thought there was a 428, but I, it's not on here. So now that I, I was, go ahead. that's okay. I was following along with you on the Scrib D one uh-huh. and it's pretty consistent. Okay. However, you stopped at 507. You said that the fire department arrived. On this Scrib D one, it says that 510 MPD arrived. That's correct. Okay, you've got that too. Yeah, it says 507 fire department and 510 officers arrive at location. Yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, I said that one. Okay. Yeah, so maybe they got it off of this. I don't know. But anyway, that's the the timeline of how everything went down um, of what we we know for fact. And, you know, so they, they were on a very... I mean, that is a really, okay, so if she appears at 420 and she's killed moments after that, the time between killing her and getting out of there before the participants arrive at location is minutes. We're talking 15 minutes, and that's if they did it instantly. Exactly, and we also have reason to believe through a lot of inside sources and looking at um, online, uh, looking at official documents is that the early participant was sitting in his car. He had gone to the door and tried to open it. We learned from an inside source who was actually uh, a camp gladiator participant that that person it was his first morning, but he had also requested to come at 4.30, um, just like the other two had normally done. He came to the door, couldn't figure out how to open it. Apparently, that door that they enter through mm-hmm. has like a button underneath the handle, and you have to know about it to open it up. And so when he arrived, he saw Missy's truck, and he's thinking, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go in too. He gets over there, can't open the door because he didn't know about that button underneath. So he's just like, huh, you know, so he goes back to his car and waits. So it's really, really horrible to think about her murder was probably going on when he was sitting in his car. Um, so crazy to think. Or it's, yeah, or, or at least when he pulled up or after he tried the door handle or maybe during that time or when he sat in his car at some point during all that, she wasn't there being attacked. I'm, I'm if, if, just looking at the timeline. It's just horrible mm-hmm. to think that. And, and this, you know, this perpetrator is probably just the only reason I say this, I'm speculating is just sort of the, 
you know, the profile of the psychopath is they're kind of like thrill seekers. Maybe he was such a thrill seeker, the killer, he or she, that they kind of liked the fact that they were really close to getting caught, you know, Um, possibly, maybe not, but just that might've been part of the thrill is trying to get out of there quickly before all these people show up. That's absolutely crazy. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it any other way. I can't even imagine why would you no, put yourself in that position yeah exactly that's that's it that's amazing that it's just such a tight timeline and I know a lot of people had issues with that and I get it I mean I get it too I we all do but I mean hey it's a fact and, and they got away with it now how we don't know but um, right. hopefully hopefully something will you know come forward uh, it does mention on here and we want to start mentioning this on our podcast from here on out um that um if anybody has any information on this case, um, please call the Middle East Police Department at 972-937-PAYS or it's 972-937-7297. Uh, you can also call their tip line at 972-775-7624. So, they said you can also send in anonymous tips if you want to remain anonymous through Crime Stoppers. Yes, that's correct. And they do have an app um, that you can download on your phone and you can send in uh, anonymous tips that way as well. So great. That's, that's a lot great of information. Good, yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good ways to be able to send in information if you uh, aren't, you know, aren't feeling good about, you know, giving your information, you can do it that way. So awesome all right anything else we want to talk about no i think we covered even more than we expected so i think that's great and Mm -hmm. um and if our listeners wouldn't mind um drop us a line on facebook and let us know what would you like to hear covered next um and if you have any suggestions for future episodes if there's anything you'd like for us to ask people that we may or may not interview (laughs) i'm not sure how many people we're going to end up interviewing and how many people we're going to be able to but we'll do our best um is there anything you want me to ask aj he might be willing to talk again so um if anyone has any ideas out there or anything they're concerned about or have questions about we would love to dig into it for you so let us know absolutely you can find us on facebook um under true crime broads or instagram under true crime broads as well we are also um have our podcast listed on how many different podcast I areas? I'd never even heard of most of them. We're on Spotify. <laughs> Spotify <laughs> we're, on yeah. the, we're on the Anchor app. We're on Spotify. Um, I don't believe we've been uploaded to Apple yet. I heard that takes approximately two weeks and we're only one weekend. So okay. I'm keeping an eye out for that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all let us know what you think of our podcast. Uh, let us know any questions you may have. And if you post any questions on our Facebook page, um, we will try to answer those on our next podcast if possible. So just, you know, shoot us a message and we look forward to hearing from y'all. Awesome. Thanks Renee. And thank you everybody for listening to true crime broads. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Yeah. Have a blessed night. <laughs>